0: Hello and welcome to Diabetes and You. Your reader today is Cindy Fraser. Today we will be reading from DiabetesSelfManagement.com and other publications as time allows. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. The health material presented in this program is provided for listener interest and information and is not intended for the diagnosis or treatment of individuals please see your doctor or health care provider for that and any other health-related concerns you may have our first article today is entitled how to lower blood sugar quickly by amy campbell ms rd ldn cdces from june 1st 2022 high blood sugar also called hyperglycemia, means that there is too much glucose, or sugar, in the blood, often due to a lack of insulin, or the body's inability to use insulin properly. For people who have diabetes, other factors can contribute to high blood sugar as well, such as eating too much carbohydrate, not getting enough physical activity, being sick or stressed, forgetting to take or not taking enough diabetes medication, or taking other medications that can raise blood sugars. The downsides of high blood sugars. Hyperglycemia can cause immediate or acute side effects, including thirst, frequent urination, headaches, hunger, and blurry vision. It can also make you feel tired. Very high blood sugars can cause serious and potentially life-threatening conditions, such as diabetic ketoacidosis, or DKA, and hyperglycemic hyperosmolar syndrome, or HHS. These conditions require emergency medical treatment. Long-term or chronic hyperglycemia can lead to complications, including heart disease and stroke, kidney disease, nerve damage, eye problems, feet problems, skin conditions, hearing impairment, and even Alzheimer's disease. What's considered to be a high blood sugar level? A fasting blood sugar is considered to be high if it's above 130 milligrams per deciliter. Fasting hyperglycemia, meaning a blood sugar checked after not eating for at least eight hours, is common. A high postprandial or post-meal blood sugar is one that is above 180 milligrams per deciliter two hours after eating. Keep in mind, too, that your blood sugar goals may be different. So talk with your provider about your own goals. Of course, blood sugar levels can go much higher. For example, diabetic ketoacidosis may occur when blood sugars are above 250 milligrams per deciliter. Some people even have blood sugar levels in the 400s or 500s or higher. How to lower blood sugars. Because hyperglycemia is potentially dangerous and can make you feel unwell, It's important to take steps to lower your blood sugar. Here's how. Take insulin. Taking insulin is the fastest way to lower blood sugar. Of course, only do this if you've been prescribed insulin and with guidance from your healthcare provider or diabetes educator. Generally, a fast-acting type of insulin, such as insulin Lispro, brand name Humalog, or insulin Aspart, brand name Novolog, is recommended to lower blood sugars fast. Some people are given guidance on using so-called correction doses of insulin if blood sugars go too high. Do some physical activity. Physical activity, whether it's walking, jogging, bicycling, or dancing, helps lower blood sugars both in the short-term and long-term. When you move, your cells take up glucose from the blood to be used as energy, thereby lowering blood sugars. You don't have to rush to the gym either. Going for a walk, marching in place, or turning on the tunes and dancing at home can do wonders for your blood sugars. However, if you take insulin and your blood sugars are above 250 milligrams per deciliter, you should first check your urine for ketones using ketone strips. If you have ketones, don't exercise. Your blood sugars could rise even higher. And contact your provider. Cut back on the carbs. High blood sugars happen when you have diabetes, and another way to help counteract this is to eat less carb, temporarily. This doesn't mean you can't eat any carb foods, but curtailing those carbs short-term can help. Go easy with the bread, pasta, rice, fruit, milk, and yogurt, and anything sweet for that matter. Stick with low-carb veggies, lean protein foods, and healthy fat foods such as vegetable oils, nuts, seeds, and avocado. Check your medications. First, did you forget to take your insulin or other type of diabetes medicine? If so, contact your provider or diabetes educator to find out if you should take a dose now or wait until your next scheduled dose. Second, take stock of other medicines you might be taking that could be affecting your blood sugars. Examples include corticosteroids, for example, prednisone, some antidepressants, statins, and birth control pills. Don't stop taking these medicines, but let your provider know that your blood sugars are running high. They may suggest increasing your diabetes medication dose or changing the other medicines that you're taking. Drink more water. Chances are, if your blood sugars are high, you're probably thirsty and drinking more fluids. Make sure you stick with water or other sugar-free beverages. Hyperglycemia can cause dehydration, so drinking water can counteract that. Plus, there may be some truth to water helping lower blood sugar levels. Staying hydrated also helps your kidneys flush out extra glucose. Keep a water bottle or a glass within sight to remind you to drink. Ask your provider about the amount of water and other fluids that is right for you, since some people may need more or less than others. Be sure to keep tabs on your blood sugars when they're running above target. Ideally, checking hourly, or at least several times a day, is the goal. Whether you do a finger stick or you check your CGM, knowing what's going on with your glucose levels gives you valuable information and can help you adjust your food intake and or your medications. When to contact your doctor. Finally, call your provider or even seek emergency medical attention if you experience any of the following. Consistently high blood sugar readings. Confusion. Excessive thirst and or urination. Stomach pain, nausea or vomiting. Shortness of breath ketones in the urine, or fruity-smelling breath. Our next article is entitled Counting Carbohydrates Like a Pro, Practical Tips for Accurate Counts, by Gary Shiner, MS, CDCES, from March 2, 2021. Let's get this straight. There's no such thing as a pro when it comes to carbohydrate counting. There's no master's degree or PhD in carbohydrate science at any major university nor is there a course for focusing on counting carbohydrates in any dietetics or nutrition science program. And I've yet to meet anyone at a circus or carnival who, for a mere dollar, will guess the carbohydrates in your favorite food item, lest you win a valuable prize. So why would anyone with diabetes want to count carbohydrates like a pro? Simple. When it comes to keeping blood glucose levels in control, Carbohydrate counting works better than any other system, better than counting calories, better than avoiding sugar, better than chasing pre-meal highs and lows with insulin adjustments, and certainly better and simpler than the exchange system. Carbohydrate is what raises blood glucose levels abruptly after meals, not fat or protein or vitamins or minerals. Carbohydrate. Counting and managing the amount of carbohydrate in your diet has important benefits. If you take multiple daily injections of insulin or use an insulin pump, carbohydrate counting allows you to match doses of mealtime, rapid-acting insulin to the foods you eat. This allows for almost unlimited dietary flexibility and helps to prevent post-meal highs and lows. If you control your diabetes with diet and exercise, pills, or just one or two insulin injections a day, you can also use carbohydrate counting to improve your control. Researchers at the University of Texas School of Allied Health Sciences in Galveston found that consistent carbohydrate intake, that is, eating the same amount of carbohydrate at the same meals on a daily basis, in people with type 2 diabetes leads to improvements in blood glucose control, whether or not a person loses weight. In their study, people who ate consistent amounts of carbohydrate at regular intervals lowered their average blood glucose by 55 milligrams per deciliter and lowered their average hemoglobin A1c, also known as glycosylated hemoglobin or A1c, from 8.8% to 6.9%. The American Diabetes Association recommends shooting for a hemoglobin A1c level below 7% to prevent long-term diabetes complications. A few definitions for counting carbohydrates. Carbohydrate counting simply means adding up the total amounts of carbohydrate in grams in meals and snacks. Carbohydrates include sugars, including sucrose, which is table sugar, fructose, which is fruit sugar and lactose, which is milk sugar, as well as starches, which include much of the carbohydrate found in bread, rice, cereal, and potatoes. When you eat something that contains starch, the starch is broken down into glucose before entering your bloodstream. Now, here's the kicker. From the standpoint of blood glucose control, it doesn't matter if the carbohydrates you eat are in the form of sugars or starches. Okay, now relax. Take a few deep breaths, then call your mom to say, I told you so. Both sugars and starches will raise blood glucose by the same amount. A cup of rice containing 45 grams of starch will raise blood glucose level just as much as a can of regular sugar-sweetened soda containing 45 grams of sugar. In other words, don't be overly concerned about the sugar content of a food be concerned about the total carbohydrate content of a food. So that's it? Just count the carbohydrates and life will be wonderful? Not so fast. Research presented at the American Diabetes Association annual scientific sessions showed that even educated people with type 1 diabetes who manage their diabetes well have difficulty counting carbohydrates accurately with a tendency to underestimate the carbohydrates consumed at breakfast dinner and snacks, and to overestimate the carbohydrates consumed at lunch. The estimation of complex meals, including restaurant food, is least precise. Accurate carbohydrate counting is important. Being off by just 5 grams of carbohydrate can affect blood glucose by 30 to 40 milligrams per deciliter in someone who weighs 50 pounds and 20 milligrams per deciliter in someone who weighs 150 pounds. At my own practice, many clients who profess to be expert carbohydrate counters struggle to score 50% on the Ultimate Carbohydrate Counting Test, located on my website at integrateddiabetes.com carb dash quiz slash. But by using some of the techniques described here, those same people have become highly proficient at counting carbohydrates accurately and they don't spend half their day obsessing over food. Here are four simple techniques for counting carbohydrates accurately and easily. Read labels, use resource listings, learn to estimate portion sizes, and on occasion, weigh your food. Read food labels. When it comes to carbohydrate counting, labels rule. The US Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, requires the manufacturers of all packaged and processed foods to list key nutrient information and ingredients on food labels. Most industrialized nations worldwide have similar requirements. In the United States, the label must list, among other things, the grams of total carbohydrate as well as grams of sugar and dietary fiber in a single serving of the food item. Although not required, Some food manufacturers also list the amount of soluble fiber, along with sugar alcohols and other carbohydrates, typically starches, below total carbohydrate. Of all these items, total carbohydrate is by far the most important. The total carbohydrate includes everything in the food that is carbohydrate. Starch, fiber, sugars, and sugar alcohols. Remember to look for the number next to the little g, which stands for grams. The percentage that follows is the government's estimate of how much of your daily recommended food intake is included in a serving of this food item. The percentage of daily requirements is irrelevant to carbohydrate counting. Here's another fun fact. When counting carbohydrates, it is not necessary to know how much sugar a food item contains. Remember, sugars are just a type of carbohydrate and are included in the total carbohydrate listings on the label. So that's it, right? Almost. You may have to make a slight adjustment if the food contains fiber or sugar alcohol. For food items that contain either of these, you should do the following. Subtract all the fiber grams from the total carbohydrate count since fiber does not raise blood glucose. For example, a food item containing 24 grams of total carbohydrate and 6 grams of fiber should be counted as 18 grams of carbohydrate. 24 minus 6 equals 18. Fiber-rich foods include beans, whole-grain breads, certain cereals, and some fruits and vegetables. Subtract half the grams of sugar alcohols from the total carbohydrate count, since sugar alcohols affect blood glucose half as much as ordinary carbohydrates. For example, a food item containing 17 grams total carbohydrate and eight grams of sugar alcohols should be counted as 13 grams of carbohydrate. 17 minus four equals 13. Sugar alcohols are sweeteners found in many reduced calorie foods, such as gum, mints, yogurt, ice cream, cookies, and candy. They typically go by names ending in O-L or all, such as sorbitol, maltitol, lactitol, mannitol, and xylitol. Two sugar alcohols that do not have the OL suffix are hydrogenated starch hydrolysates, or HSH, and isomalt. One other note regarding label reading. Be careful about serving sizes. The serving size listed on the label may not be what you normally consume. If the portion you eat is smaller or larger than the stated serving size, you will need to adjust the carbohydrate total accordingly. If a serving size is 1 half cup, And you have one cup, you will need to double the carbohydrate amount. Use nutrient listings. As useful as food labels are, they can only help when they are available. Unpackaged foods, such as fresh fruits and vegetables, many baked goods, restaurant foods, and prepared foods, such as those sold at a deli or salad bar, typically do not carry a label. For these types of foods, a printed or electronic, online or app-based, nutrient listing can really help some include comprehensive nutrient information for the foods listed while others list only certain nutrients such as carbohydrate and fiber many of these listings are based on the usda's national nutrient database for standard reference which is itself searchable online some books and brochures are small and light enough to carry with you for help with food decisions when grocery shopping or dining out calorie king is a popular one Bookstores usually carry several books of carb and other nutrient listings, but you can also ask your dietitian or diabetes educator for samples. There are a variety of free smartphone apps that provide detailed nutrient information including Calorie King, My Fitness Pal, and Calorie Mama. A paid app called FigWe estimates carb and other nutrients based on a photo that you take of food items. Most fast food and national chain restaurants provide nutrition information on their websites. Some post the information right in the restaurant or print it directly on the menu. Most have the information available for those who ask, so don't hesitate to ask. Learn to estimate food portions. A very practical technique for counting carbohydrates is the portion conversion method. Portion conversion involves estimating the volume of a serving of food, by comparing it to a common object, such as your fist, a soft drink can, or a milk carton, and then converting the volume into a carbohydrate count based on the typical carbohydrate content for a known amount of that type of food. This approach is particularly useful when having a complex meal, such as spaghetti and meatballs, dining out, or eating foods that vary in size, such as fruits and potatoes. Here's an example of how it works. You know because you checked in a reliable resource, that one cup of cooked pasta contains about 40 grams of carbohydrate. Next, you estimate that the portion of pasta you're about to eat is one and one-half cups by visually comparing the amount of pasta on your plate to a 12-ounce soft drink can. You then do the math, 40 grams times one and one-half cups, to determine that you're about to eat 60 grams of carbohydrate. Here are some common measuring devices that can be used to mentally calculate portions. Average adult's fist equals about one cup. A baseball equals about one cup. A young child's fist equals about one half cup. Cupped hands equal about one half cup. A deck of cards is about one third cup. A half pint of milk is one cup and a 12 ounce soft drink can is one and one half cups. When estimating portions, it is helpful to have the measuring device right next to the food item. For instance, placing your fist next to a salad will allow you to estimate the number of cups of salad. Having a half pint of milk or a 12-ounce can of soda next to a piece of fruit will allow you to do the same. Be sure to count only the portion that you are actually going to eat. The rind or inedible peel on fruit, for example, should not be counted. The best way to fine-tune your portion size estimation skills is through practice. Estimate the volume of a food item using your fist or another item of known volume for comparison. Then either look up the exact volume on the food's label or place it in a measuring cup. Doing this repeatedly will train your brain to estimate portions more accurately. You will also need a reliable source of nutrient information, such as one of the printed or electronic listings mentioned earlier. To know how much carbohydrate is in a standard portion, the list in carbohydrate per cup gives approximate carbohydrate counts for one cup of some common foods. You can find carbohydrate per cup at cdn.diabetesselfmanagement.com slash 2009 slash two slash DSM2537 underscore using this information you can calculate that a one and one half cup portion of cantaloupe at 20 grams per cup has about 25 grams of carbohydrate or 20 times one and one quarter. Three large handfuls of popcorn would have five grams per cup times three cups or 15 grams of carbohydrate. Half a baseball of peas has 30 grams per cup times one half cup, or 15 grams of carbohydrate. This approach allows you to closely estimate the carbohydrate count of a food item if no other means are available, such as a food label. Again, it's best to practice this method with some packaged food items where a label is available to hone your skills. The type A way of counting carbohydrates If you're looking for a more scientific, precise, albeit somewhat less practical, method of carbohydrate counting, carbohydrate factors are for you. This technique involves weighing a portion of food on a scale and then multiplying the weight of the food in grams by its carbohydrate factor, which represents the percentage of the food's weight that is carbohydrate. Doing so will produce a fairly precise carbohydrate count for that portion of food. For example, apples have a carbohydrate factor of 0.13, which means that 13% of an average apple's weight is carbohydrate. If an apple weighs 120 grams, the carbohydrate count is 120 times 0.13, or 15.6 grams. As is the case with portion size estimation, carbohydrate factors should only take into account the food portion that will actually be consumed. Peels, rind, skin, seeds, or packaging should be removed before weighing. The apple measurement, for instance, may slightly overestimate the carbohydrate count since the apple core is not usually eaten. Here are carbohydrate factors for some common foods. Apple, 0.13. Apple pie, 0.32. Bagel, 0.51. Baked potato, 0.22. Raw carrot, 0.06. Cheese pizza, 0.32. Chocolate ice cream, 0.27. Cooked spaghetti, 0.26. Condensed lists of carbohydrate factors can be found at static.diabetesselfmanagement.com slash pdfs slash pdf underscore 2074.pdf, and in my book, The Ultimate Guide to Accurate Carbohydrate Counting. You can also determine the carbohydrate factor of any food listed in the USDA's National Nutrient Database for Standard Reference by looking up the carbohydrate content in 100 grams of the food item, then using that number as a percentage of carbohydrate by weight. For example, 100 grams of Cheerios contains 74.68 grams of carbohydrate. That means that Cheerios are about 75% carbohydrate. If your portion weighs 30 grams, you would multiply 30 times 0.75 to get 22.5 grams of carbohydrate. Personalized help for counting carbohydrates. Registered Dietitians RDs, who are also certified diabetes care and education specialists, CDCES, formerly known as CDEs, take great pride in helping people with diabetes learn to count carbohydrates. To find a CDCES near you, visit the National Certification Board for Diabetes Care and Education's Locate a CDCES listing at cbdce.org locate. For a remote consultation via phone or the internet, feel free to contact my office online at integrateddiabetes.com or by calling 877-735-3648. Now if your current career doesn't work out, you can always take that job as a carbohydrate guesser at the circus. Now let's finish with the recipe. This is herb grilled bass. Chock full of healthful fats, this dish is great for your heart and your taste buds. Flavored with garlic salt, onion powder, paprika, lemon pepper, minced garlic and parsley, It's an herb lover's delight. Preparation time, 10 minutes. Cooking time, approximately 15 minutes. Chilling time, 30 minutes. Yield, four servings. Serving size, four ounces of fish. Ingredients, two bass fillets, eight ounces each. Olive oil cooking spray, one half teaspoon garlic salt, one half teaspoon paprika, one quarter teaspoon lemon pepper, 1 tablespoon reduced-calorie margarine, 1 half teaspoon or 1 half clove minced garlic, 1 quarter teaspoon dried parsley, and cooking spray. Directions: Preheat grill to medium heat. Lightly spray both sides of fish fillets with olive oil cooking spray. Combine garlic, salt, onion powder, paprika, and lemon pepper in a small bowl and stir to mix well. Sprinkle seasoning mixture evenly onto both sides of fish fillets. Refrigerate seasoned fillets for 30 minutes to allow flavor to penetrate fish. Right before grilling, heat margarine, garlic, and parsley in a saucepan over medium heat. Remove from heat when margarine is melted and cover to keep warm. Coat grill rack or grill basket with cooking spray. Grill fish for 4 to 6 minutes per side or until fish flakes easily with a fork. Stir margarine mixture and drizzle over fish. Nutrition information per serving. Calories. 133. Carbohydrates, 1 gram. Protein, 21 grams. Fat, 5 grams. Saturated fat, 1 gram. Cholesterol, 46 milligrams. Sodium, 266 milligrams. Fiber, less than 1 gram. Exchanges per serving. Three very lean meat and one half fat. This concludes Diabetes and You for today your reader has been Cindy Fraser. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions concerning this program, please call our Lexington studios at 859-422-6390. And now, please stay tuned to Radio Eye for the continuation of our local broadcast. Thank you for listening, and have a healthy and happy day.